Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You could use a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's simpler to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com, you can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, NHK World Radio Japan, and Radio Havana Cuba. We will begin with France 24. France is experiencing a serious heat wave, unusual for this late in the year, causing agricultural disruptions. At the BRICS summit in South Africa, six nations have been added to the roster of emerging nations. They are Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. BRICS plus six nations include 35% of the global GDP and 46% of the world population. Japanese citizens protested outside the Prime Minister's house as TEPCO, the company that owns the Fukushima nuclear power plant, began dumping more than a million tons of radioactive wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. France 24 Since last week, France has been suffocating under an intense heat wave that's hit the country surprisingly late. Since 1947, there have been only six heat waves to have hit this late in August, all of them in the last 20 years. And according to specialists, this signals heat waves are now getting longer due to climate change. Before 2000, temperatures exceeded 40 degrees less than once a year. So to see a late heat wave like this one, occurring after August 15th, it fits in perfectly with the context and dynamics of global warming. Whilst the threats of forest fires and to human health are increasingly evident, the heat wave also has consequences across multiple sectors, particularly dangerous in agricultural regions. This time of year marks the end of the crop cycle, where harvest generally begins. But with temperatures as high as 43 degrees Celsius, crops are left weaker, with leaves turning brown and fruits over-ripening. Dairy cows are also particularly sensitive to high temperatures, which could cause them to lose 5 to 10 percent of their yield. According to the French Geological and Mining Research Bureau, 72 percent of water tables were still below seasonal normals as of last month, with the heat wave likely to exacerbate drought. As nearly 90 communes are currently without drinking water, the French government has launched restrictions on water use, including aiding industrial sites to reduce the amount used in operations and curbs on personal usage. To cool their reactors, power plants normally pump lake and river water before releasing the hot water into the local environment. However, with soaring outside temperatures, bodies of water also get warmer and mixed with the searing water from the power stations, this has harmful consequences for biodiversity. It's the second time that the Club of Emerging Economies is growing. Speaking in Johannesburg, President Cyril Ramaphosa, the current BRICS chair, announced a consensus on the latest expansion. 
formed in 2009 by Brazil, Russia, India and China, South Africa joined a year later. The six new members, Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates, will officially join on the 1st of January 2024. The move is aimed at giving more clout to the bloc, which has pledged to champion the global south. Brazil's president said it confirms the group's growing relevance. The BRICS GDP has now risen to 35% of global GDP at purchasing power parity, and member countries account for 46% of the world population. The leader of the world's second biggest economy, China, said it shows the bloc's commitment to working with developing countries. These new members provide a new starting point for BRICS cooperation and inject new impetus into the BRICS cooperation mechanism. The incoming members hailed their inclusion as historic. The New Look BRICS is a motley mix of big and small economies and democratic and authoritarian states, and it underscores a conviction of strength in diversity in the face of a Western-dominated global system. Aaron, nearly two dozen countries had applied to join the BRICS club. Tell us a bit more about these six that have been officially invited. Yes, well, a significant development for BRICS today here in Johannesburg, South Africa, more than double its membership and uh, set to engage with these new parties uh, to the group. Uh, they will begin their official membership on the 1st of January 2024. President Sir Ramaphosa looking chuffed as cheese as he closed off the address from the heads of state this morning. And uh, it's really interesting to see the dominance of what I'm calling an oil block and also two African nations amongst those six new states. Of course, Argentina uh, representing the new member from South America to join from early 2024. All this tying in with the rhetoric around a new world order and almost 50% of the world's population will be represented by the new bigger groups party. Who knows what the new acronym will be? Uh, it may get to a point where it's impossible to have an acronym using country's first letters if membership does increase in future. We heard, for example, from the likes of Brazil's La Silva that categories and a process around adding even more members to the group in time will come up. We also know that deliberations around what and who could join, what are the requirements and who could join uh, this year, led to protracted talks late into the night. But for more analysis on this, I'm joined now um, by our guest, who is from the SIA of South Africa. Just please, sir, introduce yourself and give us some of your comments on the new group. I'm Gustavo de Carvalho. Uh, so, so it's been an interesting moment, and we've seen in the last couple of months already a lot of dynamics within the group in terms of their interest about the new countries. I think the six new countries, to a certain degree, have a connection with a lot of the existing members. We know South Africa was pushing a lot for more African member states, and they eventually got two with Ethiopia and Egypt. Until last night, until late last night, the rumors had been that it was only Egypt that was going to join, and we saw this morning that Ethiopia was also so joining. Brazil was very skeptical for a number of days and it seems that the joining of Argentina, the invitation to Argentina had a lot to do with the fact that Brazil eventually accepted that expansion and brought back consensus. And of course we have Saudi Arabia, UAE and Iran uh, joining as well. An important 
space, particularly in terms of the discussions around trade and the use of local currency and the increase of liquidity that these countries are expecting. At the moment, it's really hard for us to, if I buy something of South African rands, it's very hard for me to utilize that currency in some other place. So using countries that have a lot of liquidity, that have a lot of trade amongst themselves, noting that China and India are some of the major importers of gas and oil, both from the UAE and from Saudi Arabia and from Iran as well, for, for that matter, and particularly when it comes to Russia in that regard, uh, issues about logistics, trade and the new corridor, north-south corridor between Russia and Iran coming up. Dozens of protesters demonstrated outside Prime Minister Fumio Kishida's office in Tokyo. They are angry at his government's plan to release more than a million tonnes of treated radioactive wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear power plant into the sea. Among the messages, one reading, don't nuke the Pacific. Releasing this into the sea will impact the whole planet. Japan would be intentionally spreading radioactive elements, which is a serious issue. If it were 100% safe, I don't think foreign countries would oppose it. Residents based near Fukushima itself are worried. An NGO called Mother's Radiation Lab Fukushima monitors radiation at the site. It has seen falls in levels since the tsunami and nuclear meltdown in 2011. It wants more dialogue on safety issues. There are no walls in the sea, so once you release the treated water, it will probably continue to be released for decades or even centuries until the fuel debris from the plant is all removed. The plan has raised alarm in neighboring countries where there are fears the waste could contaminate food. The Japanese government says the water to be released has been filtered to remove most radioactive elements except for tritium, an isotope of hydrogen that's hard to separate from water. It says the water would be diluted to well below internationally approved levels of tritium before being released. Those reports were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website france24.com as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English. They are also available at most podcast sites. Next, NHK World Radio Japan. More on the start of the treated radioactive wastewater being dumped into the Pacific Ocean from Fukushima, which is expected to continue for 30 years. South Korea, China, and other neighboring nations consider the action a threat to their citizens and demanded a halt to the release. Japanese citizens are filing a lawsuit to cease the dump, and China and Hong Kong are banning fishery imports from the region. Last week, the leaders of Japan, South Korea, and the United States met in the U.S. to form a trilateral agreement on military cooperation. U.S. and South Korean forces began a new series of military drills. The Central American Parliament has decided to remove Taiwan as an observer nation, replacing it with China. NHK Japan we begin in Japan, where Tokyo Electric Power Company has started to release treated and diluted water from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant into the ocean. 
Japan's government says it's a necessary step to decommission the plant more than 12 years after it was devastated by an earthquake and tsunami. Before the release, the plant's operator said it was ready to move forward after confirming the water's dilution had been carried out as planned. Fukushima Daiichi suffered a triple meltdown in 2011. Since then, water used to cool molten fuel at the plant is mixing with rain and groundwater, and the volume has been accumulating. It's being treated to remove most radioactive substances, but still contains tritium. Before the release, the operator is diluting the treated water to reduce tritium levels to about one seventh of the World Health Organization's guideline for drinking water. The water will then be moved through a tunnel under the seabed and discharged one kilometer off the coast. The first round of the process will take around 17 days and involve the release of about 7,800 tons of treated water. The full process expected to take at least 30 years. Members of local industries have voiced concern over how the release will impact their business. The government has promised to work hard to prevent any reputational damage. Now, Japan's neighbors have been reacting to Tokyo's decision ahead of the planned release. In South Korea, one official said although Seoul concludes there's no scientific or technical issue with the plan, his government does not support it. If the release is not carried out according to the plan, we will take it as a threat to South Korean people's safety and health and demand the Japanese government to halt the release. People against the release held a protest in front of the Japanese embassy in Seoul. China is taking a stronger approach. A foreign ministry spokesperson called Tokyo's decision selfish and irresponsible. We urge Japan to correct its wrong decision and withdraw its plan to release contaminated water into the ocean. We will take all the necessary measures to safeguard the marine environment, food safety, and public health. In Hong Kong, authorities have announced marine products from Fukushima, Tokyo, and eight other Japanese prefectures will be banned starting Thursday. The head of the IAEA has reiterated the discharge will have a negligible impact on people and the environment. He says the agency will provide the public with real time monitoring data. Now, a group opposed to Japan's plan says it aims to file a lawsuit next month in an attempt to stop the release. The group told the news conference in Fukushima Prefecture's Iwaki City on Wednesday it'll file the suit with a local court. It's demanding that TEPCO stop the release and asking Japan's nuclear regulator to withdraw its approval of the plan. I am disappointed and very upset about the water release plan. It's not acceptable to break the promise to never discharge it without getting the understanding of relevant parties. The group also says the move would violate the right of residents to live in peace and destroy their ties. To the, sea. the leaders of Japan, South Korea, and the U.S. say they will bring their trilateral security cooperation to new heights. They announced this during a major meeting in the U.S. last week at a presidential retreat at Camp David. It comes amid growing security concerns in Asia. In HQ World Senior Political Commentator Masada Tsuyoshi joins us now to provide his analysis. Tsuyoshi, what struck out the most to you about the meeting? 
expanding the scope of cooperation. That's a big one. Up until now, our talks were mainly limited to North Korea. But this time, China、uh, is a big focus of the joint statement. The leaders reference China's unlawful maritime claims in the South China Sea. They say they strongly oppose unilateral attempts to change, to change the status quo in waters of the Indo Pacific. And they reaffirm the importance of peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. The leaders say their countries will cooperate in strengthening supply chains for semiconductors. The leaders also say that Japan's self defense forces and the US and the South Korean militaries will conduct joint drills on a regular basis. All combined, I think this is the most substantial trilateral joint statement by the three countries ever made. They also have a plan in place for more meetings. Tell us about that. They say they will institutionalize the, the trilateral summit. US and South Korean forces have kicked off joint military drills. The purpose is to prepare for emergencies on the Korean peninsula as North Korea continues to ramp up its ballistic missile program. The Ulchi Freedom Shield exercise began Monday and will play out through the end of the month. U.S. and South Korean military officials say the drills are being conducted with the North's nuclear and missile programs in mind. They also cite the shifting security environment following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. South Korea's Yonhap News Agency quotes a high ranking military official as saying the exercise will involve about 30 field training events. That's more than double the number carried out last year. The news agency reports a US B 1 stealth bomber may also be deployed to the peninsula. It all comes as Pyongyang says it's stepping up war drills and adopting a more offensive posture. Earlier this week, North Korea's state run TV reported leader Kim Jong un had signed off on measures to boost the military. South Korean intelligence is reportedly on alert for North Korean provocations during the joint drills with the U.S. that could include the launch of an ICBM. The Central American Parliament has decided to end Taiwan's 20 plus years as an observer and replace it with China. The six nation body known as Part La Sen voted on Monday in Nicaragua's capital, Managua, to invite China as an observer. The bill proposing the change was submitted by Nicaraguan lawmakers. It says Taiwan is not qualified to participate in the Part La Sen because the United Nations does not recognize it as a sovereign state. Five Central American countries, including Panama and the Dominican Republic, Cut diplomatic ties with Taiwan after 2017. Only Guatemala and Belize maintain such relations. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing wen visited the two countries earlier this year to strengthen diplomatic connections. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard at 10 p.m. at 13710 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. They also podcast at most sites. All the times they announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report, 
or want to support this listener-funded program, contact information is available at outfarpress.com or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Your support helps the weekly production of this show, which is distributed without cost to more than 100 radio stations across the globe. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. In a referendum sponsored by indigenous people and environmentalists, Ecuador voted to block oil extraction from its land in the Amazon watershed. The Netherlands and Denmark said that they will gift F-16s to Ukraine. The Netherlands has been trying to sell them to Argentina for several years, and both European nations want to upgrade to F-35s. Supporters of Julian Assange gathered outside U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland's house, asking him to drop the charges and extradition process. Radio Havana, Cuba. Ecuadorian voters who firmly supported a historic referendum on Sunday blocking oil extraction in the Amazon's Yasuni National Park, the largest protected area in Ecuador with massive petroleum reserves crossing through indigenous Yasuni land. The efforts were spearheaded by indigenous leaders and environmental defenders. The group Yasunido said on social media, quote, this is the first time a nation chooses to defend life and leave petroleum underground. Scientists have warned that the Amazon could soon reach a tipping point. Deforestation from oil mining and other industries is linked to reduced rainfall, which in turn could accelerate the demise of the rainforest. And the decline of the Amazon could have global repercussions as the forest serves as a crucial carbon sink capable of absorbing carbon emissions from the atmosphere. But ahead of Sunday's vote, supporters of drilling warned that a ban would damage Ecuador's economy, which relies heavily on oil extraction. Energy Minister Fernando Santos told Al Jazeera this month that ending the drilling would, quote, result in a loss of $1.2 billion annually, which would be detrimental to the country's economy. But activists celebrated Sunday's vote as a victory for indigenous and environmental protection. <coughs> quote, today Ecuador takes a giant step to protect life, biodiversity, and indigenous people, the country's two main indigenous groups, Confeniai and Konai, said in a joint media post. The Netherlands and Denmark said on Sunday that they would give Ukraine long-demanded F-16 fighter jets. The move was announced during a meeting between Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte as the leaders toured an airbase in Eindhoven. Quote, Today we can announce that the Netherlands and Denmark commit to the transfer of F-16 aircraft to Ukraine and the Ukrainian Air Force, including cooperation with the United States and other partners once the conditions for such a transfer have been met, Rutte said during a joint press statement with Zelensky. The Prime Minister noted that while his country has 42 F-16s, it is too early to say how many will be donated to Kiev. At least 12 of the aircraft had been up for sale, with the Netherlands and Argentina negotiating a potential deal for the planes for several years. Both the Netherlands and Denmark are in the process of phasing out older US-made F-16 fighter jets and replacing them with modern F-35s. Denmark has around 40 aircraft of the older type in its inventory. 
Kiev has long demanded combat aircraft from its western backers, arguing that F-16s and potentially planes of other types would help to turn the tide in the conflict with Russia. Moscow has repeatedly urged the West to stop pumping Ukraine with sophisticated weaponry, arguing that it will only prolong the hostilities without changing the outcome. Supporters of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange have gathered outside Attorney General Merrick Garland's home in Maryland on Sunday for a vigil urging him to drop the charges filed against the Australian journalist for publishing classified U.S. military documents leeled by a whistleblower. Garland was spotted leaving his residence in a motorcade shortly before 4 p.m. on Sunday, riding by the Assange supporters who set up posters demanding an end to the prosecution. Some at the vigil speech gave talks arguing the charges against the journalists are an attack on press freedom. Quote, I think that Julian Assange's case is extremely important, said Martha Allen, director of the Women's Institute for Freedom of the Press. Quote, we need media, democracy, freedom of the press for the individual, not just five corporations that petty but pretty much rule everything. This case is crucial for independent media, for freedom of the press for all of us, not just the rich and powerful of those running what's going on in their countries and elsewhere. This is an injustice and it needs an end. Free Julian Assange. Assange is accused of publishing cables more than a decade ago detailing war crimes committed by the U.S. government in Iraq, Afghanistan and Guantanamo Bay detention camp. The hundreds of thousands of documents that were leaked to WikiLeaks by U.S. Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning also exposed instances of the CIA engaged in torture and rendition. WikiLeaks also published its collateral murder video 30 years ago that showed the U.S. military gunning down civilians in Iraq, including two writers, journalists. Assange has been held in London's high-security Belmarsh prison since he was moved from the Ecuadorian embassy on April 11, 2019, for breaching bail conditions. He had sought asylum in the embassy in London to avoid extradition to Sweden over allegations he raped two women after Sweden would not ensure he would be protected from extradition to the U.S. Investigations into the sexual assault allegations were eventually dropped. The Obama administration decided not to indict Assange after WikiLeaks published the cables in 2010 because it would have led also to indict journalists from major news outlets who published the materials as well. Assange was later indicted under the espionage by former President Donald Trump's Justice Department and the Biden administration has continued to pursue his prosecution. Events organizer Paula Isela told, We care for all the human rights of Julian Assange and the prosecution he's undergoing. My message to Merrick Garland has been the message for some uh, day one. She explained, I pleaded with him, I said, you are taking Trump's prosecution and making it your legacy. You're going to destroy your legacy over this press freedom in case of the century. Last year, editors and publishers with The Guardian, The New York Times, Le Monde, Der Spiegel and Der Spiegel Marti called for the U.S. to end its prosecution of Assange. The new outlets had worked with the Australian journalist to publish excerpts of all the 250,000 documents he obtained in the Cablegate leak. Under the Trump administration, the CIA allegedly had plans to kill Assange over the publication of sensitive agency lacking tools known as Vault 7, which the agency had represented, the largest data loss in CIA history. Yahoo reported in 2021 the CIA had discussions at the highest level of the administration about plans to assassinate Assange in London, per the report, and also drawn up kill sketches and options following orders from then-CIA director Mike Pompeo. The Yahoo report also revealed the CIA advanced plans to kidnap and rendition Assange and had made a political decision to charge him.
Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu. There's no podcast available, however. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140 and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 606060 or 6165. At their website, radiohc.cu, you can stream the English version on noon from Monday through Friday, Pacific Daylight Saving Time. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcast, get a global perspective. You have to look harder these days because of U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, find information for online support. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 27th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. For 27 years, the shortwave report has been produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. While I am recuperating from spinal surgery, I am staying in a house that is connected to the grid. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.